Blog Talk Radio. and you're listening to Live Without Limits, Reach Personal Success on a Daily Basis. The purpose of our show is to help you improve relationships, experience personal growth, mental health and psychology, and any issues that affect your personal life that keep you from reaching your goals and today's presentation is fight, flight, or freeze response, which is your default in an argument. Fight, flight, or freeze. Have you heard this before? Well, here's an example. One day, while happily walking in nature, I turned the corner on the trail and my eyes spotted a huge snake. Instantly, I froze. In just a few seconds, those kinds of thoughts were through my head. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. I hope it's not venomous. Do I run or just stay frozen? Please, snake, just slither away already. Please, God, I don't want to go out this way. On the physical side, my breathing and heart rate slowed down. It, I felt numb and time slipped, stopped. As soon as I saw the snake, my body automatically went into stress. Survival mode response called the fight freeze. That's the autonomic nervous system doing its instinctual thing to protect me from perceived threats. And in those few moments after I saw the snake, my brain went into the freeze stress response, an active defense response that puts fight and flight on hold temporarily. This immobilization gives me a few moments to decide what my next move is. Fight that slithery serpent or flee to the hills. Within just seconds, I decided to flee. After all, fighting a snake with bare hands just doesn't make survival sense. I slowly backwards and that snake slithered away, thankfully. At the time, I didn't think much about what was going on in my body. I was simply frozen in fear. But as I continued to learn about my body's instinctual ability to help me survive threats, I've been observing various areas of my life on the mental and physical levels. So what do you think you would have done 
in that situation, fight, flee, or freeze. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. There are many times that you're going to find yourself in situations where there's fear. Whenever a storm hits, what happens? Especially if you have a parent who's experienced it personally, they react in the same way in this fight or flight or freeze mode. And often it can be secondary because what's happened, that child has learned how to react to a situation based on how the parent reacted. So what happens then? Well, then that's a secondary response, but it's a fear that you have because someone in your life has experienced it firsthand and you've learned through them what to fear and what not to fear. So one of the things that we want to do with you today is talk about the subject and how you can learn to deal with it and how to deal with it in the best way possible. Why should I care what my nervous system is doing? You may be thinking, why should I care about what my autonomous nervous system or ANS is doing? But follow me here, because I think once you see how incredibly wise the body is, you'll be able to see how your ANS is working and maybe even against you. For example, think of a time when you were in a heated argument with a partner, family member, or friend. In particular, think of a time when you thought of lost your rational mind in the argument and said or did things that you later regretted things that you wouldn't have ever done had you not been in that argument. You have something in mind. Since I use myself a lot in examples, let me show you how the nervous system tries to protect us during arguments. I don't like arguing, as I'm sure most of you don't either. However, I've gotten into my fair share in my relationships. When we think of relationships, we are dealing with personalities. And when we deal with personalities, ever you're around someone consistently, there are times that you're going to clash brothers sisters, even spouses will argue. The thing is that you need to look at those relationships and understand that they're not perfect because each one's personalities and needs are different. Relationships, do you fight, flee, or freeze in arguments? Here's a little scenario. I'd really like you to come to 
a, an event with me on Friday night. But I really don't like going there. Why do you need me to go? Because I do. And you said you'd start going to more community events with me. I know. But it's been such a busy week. And I was looking forward to relaxing Friday evening. Can't you find someone else to go with you? Now, here's the partner, obviously angry. You always do this. Tell me one thing and then bail out. I feel like you're never going there for me when I need you. You weren't there when so-and-so got married. I had to go to the Thanksgiving at mom's house alone. You. Right about then, hearing angry vibrations directly aimed at me. My nervous system is detecting danger, danger, threat, threat, and goes into its preferred survival response. Freeze. So what happens? You freeze. Your eyes gloss over. Your body relaxes. You go elsewhere in your mind. I'm there, but I'm not really there. This is also known as the shutdown, immobilization, or disassociation in mental health terms, which means that you totally leave the situation. Another way to look at it is this way. In the transactional analysis, it's a triangle that's called the persecutor, the rescuer, and the victim. And what happens is you feel that you're in the victim mode, and you literally shut off to what the other person is saying to you simply because it's easier to deal with what is going on. Many years ago, my way of dealing with it when it came to my family, because they were constantly putting me in that victim mode, was just to walk away from them and not engage them. Why? Because they were looking for that engagement. They were constantly rotating between the rescuer and the persecutor because they felt really bad about themselves, and the only thing that gave them power was to make you the victim of their problem. It's like right now, I have a sister that's deaf. She has a companion that comes twice a week, gets up in the morning, makes sure she gets dressed, but she takes make sure that she has the medication set out for the week, that she sets it out in a pill box so she doesn't over-medicate herself. Then she, makes, she takes her to the grocery store. She takes her to the doctor. She takes her to a therapist, wherever she needs to go, when she, when she needs to go. Well, she's not available right now. And I use the paratransit system. 
My sisters also registered with the paratransit system, but it was left left because you have to be able to call them and they have to be able to get in touch with you and tell you what times they're going to be coming there. And you, and not only that, whereas in the community that I live in, I can call into a central number and let them know who's coming in. She can't. And at hers, it's when you get to the gate, you call into the person's home and they push a buzzer on the phone that opens it up for you. So if she can't hear them or she doesn't pay attention to her TTY when it goes off or if she's sleeping when they get there, then she's lost. So now my sister calls me that my that my sister missed her appointment and she wants to reschedule it, that she wants me to take a day out of my day to go stay with her, to get her up, then use my membership with the paratransit system to take her where she needs to go, then bring her home, then bring, then have them bring me home. But the way the system works, it can be a two-hour a two delay in that they don't have drivers, or and they spread out the time schedules. So it would be an all-day affair for me to be able to do and take care of her needs because they never bothered to make arrangements if something happened. So my solution now is I know someone who, who did this when she lived here. I could find out from her the agency she used, go register her with the agency, and then that's your backup. Or find someone that, that lives in the community where she does that she can hire to do this for her. You know, it's like she wanted me to take my day and go spend with her to do it that her needs are met when they couldn't teach her how to do it for herself. And yes, just being deaf does not mean that you can't live your life and you can't figure out a way to make arrangements for yourself because many do. So now my partner at that time is in the fight response. Their answer is screaming, threat, threat, threat. You have to face life all alone. Again, adrenaline or cortisone or released. The heart races. Breath becomes shallow and faster. More oxygen pumps to the major muscles in case fast action needs to occur. And here's the thing. The partner can love the partners can love each other like crazy 
but in what I call the trigger wars, there are they are engaged as two activated, dysregulated, autonomic nervous systems in survival mode. The rational mind goes offline and we find ourselves operating from a cocktail of stress hormones, sometimes saying or doing things we later regret. Now, I understand not all couples argue this way. The specific physiological reactions will largely depend on how you navigated your life in a baby or toddler as a child. Typically, your survival responses started back then and carry over into adulthood. So, can the stress response be overactive? Yes, the stress can be overactive, as in the case of my partner and I. Overactive or overreactive response occurs when we are triggered by things that we perceive as threatening, but they're not really life-threatening, like when this kind of thing happens. You never this and that, and then you did this and that, and you said this, but you did that. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind because this always happens while smashing dishes in the kitchen floor, meaning that this is the argument going on, and you're throwing things and breaking them, and that's your response. These overactive survival responses are more common in those who have experienced some sort of trouble or trauma, abuse, neglect, accidents, natural disasters, chronic stress. The brain will see the current threat and associate it with the threats or the trauma and overreaction thinking and survival is in its danger. Like when you've been rear-ended just after hearing a car sound, it's horn. Later, every time you hear a horn, your nervous system goes into a stress response thinking it's in danger. According to the experts, the more dysfunctional the childhood, the more likely you developed a stronger ANS threat detector. Those that had a fairly safe, secure, warm, loving home atmosphere don't find themselves struggling with the intense fight, flight, or freeze responses in life stressors. Sure, their nervous systems activate, but they are able to go into the stress response and come down quickly afterwards 
without saying or doing things that they regret. Coping with the overactive fight, flight, freeze response, the good news is that you're dealing with what you perceive to be an overactive stress response. There are techniques and treatments that can help, including relaxation, regulating techniques. Relaxation techniques are helpful for deactivating the stress response. You can use deep, slow breaths while slowly focusing on relaxing your entire body. Use a mantra such as, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. And do this over and over until you feel yourself calming down. Use visualization such as lounging at the beach or sitting in nature. Mindfulness, stay present. So the more rational part of your brain stays online. Meditation, the practice of meditation can help you build a more resilient, regulated nervous system. Calm the mind, the vagus nerve reset exercises. If you find yourself in an overactive fight, flight, or freeze response and can't seem to get it more in balance, reach out to a therapist. Do you resonate with any of the following? Feel like you're hyperventilating, always in a state of stress. Can't sleep because your mind won't shut down. Get into trigger wars with your partner when regretting what you said or did. Have a lot of anxiety. Feel on edge all the time. Feel disconnected with your emotions or shut down. Feel spacey, like you're not really present. Can't relax. Have social anxiety and tend to isolate. These are thera- there are therapists that can help. So feel free to reach out and invest in yourself because you are worth it and you can address these issues and overcome them. You can use a licensed mental health counselor at the community mental health centers where you go on a sliding scale B. Also, you can go to a licensed social worker or a psychotherapist. Also, many of them do things online today, so you don't have to just look within your local area unless you feel more comfortable sitting down with someone where you get to work issues. Do you resonate with the fight, flight, or freeze when you perceive a threat or find yourself triggered? Do you think that your response is healthy 
or do you think it's overactive? My hope is that you have better insight as to what's going on when you find yourself triggered, fearful, feeling anxious, and that there are some feelings that you can do work on with your stress response. And the last few things that I want to say about this is that many years ago, I grew up in a home that was very, very negative. I have I had a mother who was constantly throwing in your face your faults, the things that you couldn't do, always criticizing everything you did to the point that I overreacted to certain situations, but because of my training in psychology and mental health, I often found that the best way for me to deal with it was to stay as far away from them and have as little a relationship with them than I possibly could. And it was the only way that I could learn to change my behavior. And another thing is that whenever you seek out help and change your behavior, then the dynamics within the family changes because they expect you to always react the way they want you to react. And they're always going to try to pull you into their way of thinking. Many years ago, before my mother passed away, I ha- and I first moved to Florida, I happened to be staying with her. And I always tried to have as little interaction with her as I could. And I remember saying to her, what is going to happen to Gail when you're gone? Oh, she can take care of herself. Well, they made her totally dependent on her when it went, came to going to doctors, when it came to going to the grocery store, when it came to setting up appointments and, and getting her there, that now she has no one. She's left in the house alone. She really, at this point, needs to be in supportive living, not living independently, where someone will get her up every day. They have activities on the premises that she can take part in. They have transportation to take her to her appointments when she needs to go. They can see to it that she gets the proper medication. Instead, she's left in living independently. And because she became very, very dependent on them, she is totally lost and literally has no idea what to do to take care of herself. And the last thing that I'm going to say is that I have a website, com, which deals with personal development. And I also have a seven-day 
challenge called Seven Ways to Reach Personal Success on a Daily Basis, all tied together. And if you want to take part in this, you can go to Personal Success on a Daily Basis forward slash join the join the seven day challenge or you can join the membership site askdavidashinsky.com where you can access my courses on personal development and it's up to you to be able to learn to accept yourself for who you are and how to live the best quality of life possible within any circumstances.